You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Quit worrying about whether someone's going to, you know, sign on the dotted line and you can close the sale. And now we know you're an effective evangelist because they repented and they got saved. No, don't worry about that. It's not about your salesmanship. The power is in the gospel, right? You just make Christ known. God is pleased when you speak up and speak about Christ as King of Kings. Say something. Get out there and say something. If no one gets saved, it doesn't matter. At least you said something. When is the last time you said something? For many of us, evangelizing is intimidating. In today's message from Pastor Tom, he urges you to say something, despite your fears, despite your discomfort, despite what you think the outcome may be. It's not up to us whether someone gets saved or not. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's our job to share the truth about who Christ is with others. We are commanded to witness about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Who is someone who needs to hear about Jesus today? Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 1 with today's edition of Discover Hope. The Jerusalem is not the whole mission. Then go on out. Go into the districts surrounding Jerusalem, Judea, and then a little further to Samaria. Make sure all the Jews hear about their kingdom first. It's their kingdom. But don't stop witnessing until you reach the ends of the earth, all the Gentiles. And they did. By the time you get to Acts 28, they're all the way to the greatest Gentile city in the world, Rome. And it speaks of them going all the way to Spain, even further west. Church history tells us that other apostles that are not written about in the book of Acts took the gospel to India, took the gospel to northern Africa, took the gospel to Armenia, to the north. I had to throw that in because I'm Armenian. That verse maps out the master plan for the spread of the testimony. There's going to be a king in Israel. He's going to rule over all the world. Why do you think the Muslim nations hate Israel so much? In fact, the book of Acts is laid out really to follow the apostolic witness from Jerusalem to Rome. In Acts chapter 2 through 8, it's primarily about the apostles' witness in Jerusalem. They filled the whole city with teaching about Jesus, it says. In Acts... 8 to 12, it's primarily about the spread of the witness to Judea and Samaria. And then for the rest of the book, chapter 13 to 20, it's mostly about how it just kept going into what we call Turkey today and the islands in the Mediterranean and then going to Greece and going on to Italy, and it just spread. They accomplished this in one generation. They did it. They got the witness out. You know, some have found Roman coins in Japan. Roman coins found in archaeology in Japan, which shows trade routes were all the way to Japan through China. And then who knows how far that apostolic witness went, even in the first century. It's pretty amazing. In Acts 17, 6, it says, These men who have upset the whole world have come here also. They've upset the whole world. That's what I'm talking about. Don't you wish you had that kind of boldness? In particular, the book of Acts traces the lives of two great apostles. Chapters 1 to 12, the leadership and preaching of Peter in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 to 28, the missionary activity of Paul to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles. And what a witness these apostles bore. Scripture and church history tell us that most of the apostles sealed their witness with their own blood. Now that's believable. When you die for something, you know at least that person believed it was true. 
They were stoned. They were beheaded. They were crucified upside down. They became known as martyrs. Martus is witness. Martyrs are those who die for their witness, you see. And that's what they were to do, and that is where they were to do it. Did you notice that Jesus didn't tell them here why they were to do it? There's not really a why here, but I don't think the why is too hard to figure out. Why were they to be witnesses to the end of the earth? The simple answer is that God wanted his word spread everywhere. He wanted everybody to know. He wants everybody to know. You say, but pastor, I thought our church teaches that there are elect out there. There are. It's not that we teach. It's in the Bible. Just read it. There's elect out there. Now, do you know who all the elect are? Because if you do, you can give me a list. We'll just witness to them. Otherwise, what I suggest is we get the word out everywhere. We make the word of God pervasive and ubiquitous and worldwide and global and get it out there, right? There's not a containment. Well, that's not supposed to be like that. When the witness spreads, the word of God spreads. And that honors God. Would you agree? God wanted the word about Jesus' kingdom spread to all the nations of the world. Why? Because they've got to make up their mind whether they're going to follow the king or not. I mean, God's very patient. We read in Romans 2 that he's patient and he's tolerant. And people, you know, like Bill Maher, he stands up, he says, there's no God. In a little bit of time, Bill, you're going to meet him. And God's so patient with these fools. But he's not going to be patient forever. And they take advantage of his mercy and his tolerance. And he says there's going to be a kingdom. This desire to have the word of God get out and have people compelled to come into the kingdom. Hear about the king. Come on into the party. Come on in to the joy. Is highlighted in one of Jesus' parables called the parable of the great supper. Would you keep your finger in Acts 1 and turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14 and verse 15. Starting verse 15. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. I'll start reading there. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Notice that the assumption is the kingdom is on earth, by the way. Verse 16, But Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. This is just so typical. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry. And said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you command has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. Does God want his word getting out? Yes. Why? Because he wants his house filled. He has a party. He has joy in the kingdom. He wants them to come in. The Jewish leaders and the more established people in Israel rejected the message of Jesus. And he said, go, go give the gospel to the underprivileged. Give it to the poor. And they did that. And they came in, but there was still room. Go out into the highways then. Go far away and proclaim the world. That's a hint of the message going out to the Gentiles and the work of the apostles. 
In fact, that prophetic parable is played out in Acts 13. Would you go forward to Acts 13 and we'll read a section here where you can see how this is being played out with the Jews rejecting the gospel and the Gentiles accepting it. And even the anger of the apostles is there. This is Acts chapter 13. We'll start at verse 44. Acts 13, verse 44. This is on Paul's first missionary journey. He says, The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. He's talking to these Jews that are not believing. Since you repudiate it and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, behold... We are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now look at the reaction in verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life did what? They believed. Let God worry about who's appointed to eternal life. Those who end up believing, they're the ones that are appointed to eternal life. And then verse 49 kind of punctuates it. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Of course, the Jews go on to persecute them. But the point is there that the the Jews were not responding either to Christ's ministry or the apostles' ministry. So go out and compel the rest to come and come in now. That's the why. Why do we go out and witness? So the Father will be honored with a full house. And so the people can enter into the joy of the Master. It's really a great task we have. It's a wonderful task. Luke throughout the book of Acts makes careful note how the word of God kept spreading. The gospel of the kingdom is being preached and it spread into this region and it multiplied. Then it spread here and it multiplied. And Luke keeps making these punctuation marks to make sure that you know that's what was happening. Some examples are in Acts 6-7 starting in Jerusalem. It says, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Wow. Acts 12, 24, the word of the God continued to grow and to be multiplied. That's what God wanted. That's the why. Acts 13, 5, when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and it kept spreading. Acts 19, 20, so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing, victorious, you see. We noted that it was particularly spread by the apostles, but it was also spread by everybody, everybody spread the word. They may not have been a direct eyewitness, but they passed on the testimony of the apostles. Even in the first century, they had to do that. That great commission was for all of the disciples. In Acts 8, 4, it makes it very clear that when persecution broke out in Jerusalem, it says all the disciples spread. And as they spread, they went about preaching the word. Everybody, every disciple, men, women, young, old, they were all to be witnesses. This is how Jesus is made known in the world. Quit worrying about whether someone's going to, you know, sign on the dotted line and you can close the sale. And now we know you're an effective evangelist because they repented and they got saved. No, don't worry about that. It's not about your salesmanship. The power is in the gospel, right? You just make Christ known. God is pleased when you speak up and speak about Christ as King of Kings. Say something. Get out there and say something. If no one gets saved, it doesn't matter. At least you said something. This is the preaching of the Word of God, and it honors Him. 
The apostles in time would die out. They'd fade away from the picture. What was left? The local churches they started. What were they supposed to do? Preach! And all of this was to be done by the Holy Spirit's design and power. Now let's go back to Acts 1 and look at verse 8 again, that first statement. The power is summed up. You shall receive power. By the way, if you caught the enormity of the task, you know that they're going to need a little bit of power. This was no small mission. Jesus did not give the disciples a worldwide task without giving them power and ability. This is similar to the promise made at the end of the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 24, he says, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, you ever you know, put on a football helmet and football pads and you feel like you're invincible, you know? I got it. I'm equipped. I'm clothed with something. I want to go hit something. Then you remember you're 56 and you kind of small. But here we're clothed with power from on high. You have the right equipment. The Holy Spirit is the equipment and you already have it. Him. Power is the word dunamis. Sounds like dynamite. Please don't think of dynamite when you think of the Holy Spirit. Dynamite blows stuff up. The Holy Spirit's not blowing things up. Okay? People are like, oh, it's dynamite. The Holy Spirit's dynamite. That's not what is intended. The Holy Spirit is power. He gave power in the miracles, but he gives power in changing people's lives. He gives power in giving you boldness. His power works quietly a lot of times, but it wells up within, and then there it is. I can't believe I said that to that person. Well, I can. You have power. Matthew 25, 15 translates the same word dunamis as ability. Apostles' miracles were, or actually could literally be called powers. Similar word. In Acts 4, 7, when they were doing miracles and proclaiming Jesus, the Jewish authorities said, By what power have you done this? They wanted to know, where's the power come from? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Spirit and power. The witness and mission of the church is ignited by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the clothing of the Holy Spirit. That's very important for you to understand, beloved. The mission of the church is not a human invention. It's not a mere human task. It's a divine mandate with a divine impulse running inside of it and granting the church, every church, power. The Spirit's coming is for the new age, the church is for the new age. The mission is for the new age. The power is for the new age. Notice that Jesus shared his power when the Holy Spirit will come upon them. The Holy Spirit would come down upon them and clothe them. The Holy Spirit of God would be poured out by Jesus and the Father from above and descend down upon them. And they would be baptized, drenched, dunked in the Holy Spirit. That then would be the power they were to rely on. You say, I'm timid. So was Timothy. And Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, Timothy, but of what? Power and love and discipline. You can have power and you can love others and have discipline. That's why Paul could write to Timothy a little later there, actually verse 8, in that same letter, and said, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. 
but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. The beautiful thing about the power of God is that you don't actually have to be a strong person to use the power of God. Did you know that? You don't have to have a certain personality. You don't have to have, you don't have to feel like you're a strong individual or highly educated or anything like that. You can't use that as an excuse. You don't understand. I don't talk all that well. You don't understand. I'm kind of young. You don't understand. None of that matters with God's power. You know, when you plug something in, in a wall, it works for a guy who can bench press 500 pounds. Is there anybody who can bench press 500 pounds? And it works for someone who can't bench press 10 pounds. Just plug it in, the power's there. In fact, truth be told, when someone is powerful, it kind of messes up God's power. God would rather work in weak instruments. See, this is where all your excuses just went tumbling down like dominoes. Sorry, my grace is sufficient for you, Jesus said, for power is perfected in weakness. So if you're weak, boast in your weaknesses, power of God will be used in you. I'm sickly, I'm weak, I'm tired all the time. Okay. Then you're a good candidate for the power of God. Very good. You just raise your hand, you just volunteer. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. What could be clear? But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul prayed believers would understand their power. Ephesians 1.18, what is the surpassing greatness of God's power toward us who believe? He prayed in Ephesians 3.16 that God would grant you, believers, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man. He'll strengthen you inside there, you see. We as believers, like the apostles and the early Christians, must learn to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. If he is the energy and he is the force at work in the church, we must not grieve him with our sin. We must not quench him with our unbelief. We must not resist him with our willfulness. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk by the Spirit and yield to the Spirit. Then you will sense the power of the Spirit moving you along. May I ask you, do you actively seek to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you? We're a church that has solid doctrine. Would you agree? We know the doctrines of grace. Would you agree? We have Bible conferences. We have Bible retreats. We have expositional sermons and we talk a lot. But do you experience the power of God in your life? Spurgeon, 150 years ago or so, when he was speaking to his congregation, had a similar kind of a congregation, well taught. But they lacked understanding about the Holy Spirit In an 1858 sermon entitled The Work of the Holy Spirit, he said this, I find, however, that the greatest deficiency of his congregation lies in this point, forgetfulness of the work of the Holy Spirit. I find them very easily remembering the work of God the Father. They do not deny the great doctrine of election. They can see clearly the great sentence of justification passed by the Father upon the elect through the vicarious sacrifice and perfect righteousness of Jesus. That was a mouthful. And they are not backward in understanding the work of Jesus either. They can see how Christ was the substitute for his people and stood in their room, place, and stead. 
nor do they for one moment impugn any doctrine concerning God's Spirit. But they are not clear upon the point. They can talk upon the other points better than they can upon those which more particularly concern the blessed work of that all-adorable person of the Godhead, God, the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we must learn the work of the Holy Spirit and the power in our own lives as well. Do not overreact to the Pentecostal and charismatic and third wave movements that you don't talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I was surprised. I got a lot of my books out, charismatic and non-charismatic. My books were moved this past week. I was trying to find them. I got them together. It's okay. I got the Holy Spirit section. Table of contexts, indices, looking for the chapter or just the paragraph, section, anything on the power of the Holy Spirit. They waxed eloquent about everything. The indwelling, you name it. The sealing, walking. There wasn't one section in any of those books on the Holy Spirit, on the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, you're kidding me. i got to preach on this. Yet here it is in one word. Jesus could have said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have comfort. He could have said that. That's true. He's the comforter, right? He could have said, you're going to be taught. You're going to be guided. You're going to be indwelt. You're going to become a temple of the Holy Spirit. All of those would have been biblical. You would be sealed for eternity. Conviction, guidance. What else does the Holy Spirit do? But the one thing he said to them when they're about to start the mission is, you will be clothed with power. Listen, brothers and sisters, the church is not ill-equipped for its mission. Sometimes we think, but we don't have this, and we don't have that in place, and we don't have enough of the workers here, and when I show up to ministry, nobody shows up to help me. And sometimes you're doing your service, nobody else is there, and you wonder, I don't have any power, I don't have any strength. My tongue's on the ground. The church is well-equipped. Jesus said so. We don't have to wait for anything. You don't have to wait for anything to start. You don't have to try to control what the Holy Spirit is going to do with this power unleashed. That's not your job. You get out, you witness, and you leave. Whatever happens after that, whatever ministry is needed, you leave that up to God, the Holy Spirit. He's the real leader of the church. Amen? And you are witnesses too. You take that apostolic witness and you start spreading it. Someone doesn't want to hear? Fine. Fine. Find someone who does. If the rich, the upper middle class don't want to listen, go to the lower middle class, in the lower class. Find somebody who will listen and talk to them. Tell them Jesus is king. And you're not getting much in this world, and it's not fair for you. I agree, but guess what? There's a kingdom coming. Want to be part of it? Here's what you got to do. Repent of your sin. Lower yourself, and God will exalt you. Amen? Father in heaven, please give us boldness and faith and confidence that we would recognize whatever weak vessels we are, Your power is not hindered or limited by that. May we have a greater confidence in you. And may you use the lives and the mouths of these dear people called your saints in their world, wherever they are, this very week, to open their mouth and see how your Holy Spirit regenerates and how your Holy Spirit convicts. And Lord, even if they reject that gospel, as so often they do here, that they will have joy that they were faithful to the King of Kings, that they were a faithful ambassador for that King in, in enemy territory, so to say, announcing to the kingdoms of this world, to the nations of this world, to the peoples 
of this world that they better repent because the King of Kings is coming back to claim what is His and they will be destroyed in that day. Remind them to be bold. Remind them to speak the full truth and not just part of it. We pray it all in the blessed name of our King, the Anointed One, Jesus Christ. Amen. The disciples were tasked with taking the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is still our job as Christians today. In today's message from Pastor Tom, you heard about how the disciples received the Holy Spirit and about how it aided in their ability to fulfill their commission. As believers, we too have the power of the Holy Spirit to aid in our witnessing to others about the gospel. The Holy Spirit provides us with the power and boldness we need to witness and to live a Christ-like life before others. If you enjoyed today's message on Discover Hope, we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. That's 443-200-HOPE. We'd also like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to this ministry to help us expand the reach of the gospel. You can give securely online at hopebible.org. Do you live in the area of Columbia, Maryland? If so, you're invited to become part of our Sunday morning gatherings here at Hope Bible Church. Join us for a morning of Bible study, worship, and fellowship. Find out more by visiting our website. Again, that's hopebible.org. Be sure to tune in to Discover Hope next time to hear Pastor Tom provide truths about the Holy Spirit and correct some of the misconceptions many have about it. The power of the Holy Spirit is ascension power that is operating in each and every believer. You will hear why Jesus' ascension matters and why it's important to study. Thanks for tuning in today to Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit hopebiblechurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.